Alright. Oh, good morning, church. It's all, thank you, it's lovely. So the church, are you guys, you, it, the church is the people, right? So when I say good morning to the people, you get a response. If the church was the walls, I'm not going to get a response, am I? If I say good morning, church, and it's the walls, then you won't get a response. But if I say good morning to the church, who are the people, you get a response. Such as, good morning, church. Good morning. Oh, thanks. I feel like I'm in primary school. But isn't, isn't that wonderful? It's just so wonderful. Uh, this morning is going to be so wonderful. I'm going to ask God to take us through it. Um, I don't know which direction I want to go. I have something planned, but I pray that God takes over. The Spirit of God works with us and, and He shares what He wants to share. Not what I want to share, but what He wants to share this morning. We will, though, focus on a passage of Ephesians 2. If you remember the last time, which was last year... We shared and we had the the youth guys come up the front and we had a quiz on the whole book of Ephesians and they did so wonderful. And we did discuss something. We did an introduction on Ephesians 1. A letter from Paul to a church in Ephesus. That's what the book of Ephesians is. And it's quite short. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read through it. And so I'm going to ask a few people to help read it out. Uh, there is a microphone that I'll ask Jez to pass around. Since Jez is holding it, we will get him to start. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh, the, if, if, it's, if the clicker doesn't work, I'll, yeah, it is. I'll turn it on and off, off and on again. That's okay. <laughs> No worries. Yeah, so sometimes he just wants to be in our silence and that's okay. Yeah, that's right. God is. God's taken over. Yeah, I'm not worried. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Try now. Wonderful. Um, sure. Who's seen this sign before? Who knows what that sign actually means? It's sign language in American. I learned it from one of my very close brothers um, who is deaf. He was born deaf. I believe he was born deaf. Um, and he taught me this. And so I do this to him every time I see him, every time I greet him. And it means what? I love you. It means I love you. Right. This means in American sign, I love you. So actually, if you work it out with your hand, and I think I've shared this before, these are the vowels in American. I don't know Australian. Oz language, I think you call it. I'm not sure. Is that what it is? Oz, thanks. Yeah. I'm only, I've only got an American deaf brother, so that's what I learned. So it's A-E-I-O-U. They're the vowels. Right. Um, that might be the same in Australian. I'm not sure. So this is I. Okay, this is, this is an L, well, it's, or that hand, it's probably more accurate, but never mind. And this is the letter Y. So it's I love you. I love you. I shared this with uh, a lady now that I work with who is an older lady and she's deaf in the Department of Education. And I'm like, cool, I get to show her something I know. And I went up to her and I said, hey, I love you. And she said, no, not me, not me. 
And I was like, whoa, did I feed you? She said, she goes, no, that's very intimate. And so she shared with me that that's quite strong and you don't know me yet. So Nathaniel, you know, hold your horses. So when I learned that, I realised that Ephesians chapter 2, for me, is Jesus saying, I love you. Ephesians chapter 2, for me, is Jesus saying, I love you. So maybe that's one way we can remember Ephesians chapter 2. I love you. Let's pause for a prayer. Let's ask God to take control. If we can, for those that are able, let's, let's take a knee this morning. Our dear Father, as we have just sang, there is nothing but the blood of Jesus. We think of you this morning as we are about to partake in communion as well, as a community, as a bunch of believers, as the body of the world. And we want to say we love you too. We hear that you love us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. You've loved us as babies. You've loved us before we've accomplished anything. You've forgiven us for all our sins. And Father, we'll take a knee because you are our King and our Saviour. And it's you, the King of Kings, that has come down here to us and say, I love you. To say our love to these people here this morning, to all of us. So we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It's not a long chapter, and chapter 2 follows chapter 1. But chapters 1 to 5 is one whole letter that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesians. So, um, Jesuit, if that microphone's working, do you want to give it... Can you read that writing from back there? I can see it, yeah. All right, so what I'm going to ask is... The next slide, I'm going to ask someone else to do the reading for us. Um, and if you can, I think stay close to the microphone so the recording can pick you up. Thanks, Jezza. That's seven. So you read the whole slide if you can. From death to life, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you were one, in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, flesh, following the desires of flesh and the senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us all alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Excellent. Can someone read the next no slide? Yeah. Dylan, next slide. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. For by grace you have been saved. I think we're up to um, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before to be our way of life. I'm asking you, let this sink into you. These words, this is the scripture, this is God's word to us. I love you. So remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called uncircumcision by those who are called circumcised, so Jews and Gentiles, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at the last time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank you, worship band, for that song. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one. Paul is calling the Jews and the Gentiles into one. And he's saying there's one Holy Spirit, there's one God, there's one Saviour. For all, for all of us. And has broken down the dividing walls. Oh, sorry, just that last. Uh, that is the hostility between us. We know that there was a hostility between the Jews and Gentiles in the temple. They were separated by a wall. Actually, I saw a plaque, a picture of a plaque that says, if you cross this line, be it at your own risk of life or something like that. Which means if you took a Gentile past this line into this temple of the Jews, you might suffer death. The consequence is death. This is why they wanted to kill Paul in the end. He was bringing the Gentiles into the Jewish culture, yeah, life. He was giving them their Messiah, giving us our Messiah. He was crossing that line all around the world, not just inside the temple. Thanks, Dylan. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile. Can everybody say the word reconcile? Reconcile. Yeah. Uh, The youth group. Where are you guys? What does reconciliation mean? (laughs) Remember the quiz? Turning? That's the definition we use. That's right. Reconcile. Turning enemies into friends. Making new relationships. New people. A new one. Paul is talking about. Might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross. Thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. I'm not so sure if that's a geographical reference. Those who are far off and those who are near. I think it means Jews and Gentiles again. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. One spirit. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Good reading. Nice, Candice. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
in whom you also were built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Let's go back to that first scripture, if we can, Dylan. Thanks. He starts off, well, we start off this chapter because it's a letter and Paul hasn't broken it up into chapters. But he begins here. You. You were what? Dead. Do you remember a story in the Bible that talks about death first and then life? Because normally in our life cycle, there's life and then comes death. But there's a couple of pictures in the Bible that talk about death and then life. Can you recall anything like that? Like what? Was there a story where there was dead and then there was life? Okay, I don't know that one. <laughs> Browse. The valley of the dead bones. Thank you. And what happened there? Bones, right? Is that the bones becoming alive again? Yes. Dead to life. Anybody else recall the story? The thief hanging on a cross. Do you want to say some more with that? So the thief hanging on a cross. Right. So today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm. Yes, thank you very much. And I heard someone say Lazarus. What happened with Lazarus, Uncle Martin? He was definitely not alive. Yep, he definitely was not alive. Actually, that's the story where we get that. My favourite verse, because it's so short, if you need a memory verse, Jesus wept. Right? That's the story where Jesus wept. Death was so hard on Jesus himself that he cried over Lazarus's death. So heavy. This, we can take the picture of sin to do the same thing with us. And Jesus cries over our death. Because of our trespasses and our sins. Yeah, I'll have a few more. Thank you. I recall Lazarus too. Actually, we all began dead and have come alive. As through one man, Adam, sin came into the world, we all died. Mm. But we didn't know it. And then when the commandments came from the Lord, the commandments revealed that we are dead, separated from God. Yeah. Christ came to him, we were reconciled. Good, good word. We were reconciled back to Christ. That's right. That's the whole idea. This is Jesus saying to us, I love you. One way to share this death to life is through testimonies. We hear it from people that have actually gone through it. Something makes us alive. And each person here, for those that are Christians, you are now alive. For those that aren't, Paul's saying, well, you're dead to your sins. There's nothing you can do when you're dead. You can't raise yourself. And when we become Christians, we are now considered alive. Alive in Christ. This morning is quite special. I've asked two sisters to share with us their testimony. And it's not always easy to come up the front and share a testimony. 
Um, and I've asked Jessica and, and Zoritza to come up the front. I'm going to just do it one by one. So I'm going to ask Jessica, if you can come up first, share a part of your testimony and whatever you feel comfortable with, okay? Thank you. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks. <gasps> really 
use that. And I think that's also inspired me to, um, you know, want to be a part of youth group or whatever it may be, because I think it's so cool to know that God can use our passion that he puts in us to inspire other people as well, even when you don't think that you're um, doing much. But yeah, and then, yeah, so I was at uni studying to be a paramedic, and I graduated over a year ago now. Um, and yeah, a lot of you asked me, oh, you know, have you gotten a job? What are you doing now? And I think last year was pretty hard in a lot of ways because I was applying to work and didn't get anything. Um, but I think it's just so cool to know that when you were dead and come to life, it's like God really just gave me so much peace and, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people would ask if I'm <coughs> struggling. And at times I was, but I think most of the time I just knew like, God has a plan for me and I had mm. so much purpose in coming to church and being with all of you and doing other things. And um, I think it's just so cool how um, when you put Jesus in every part of your life, it um, just really, yeah, you just feel the peace. Um, and a few weeks before um, Jeff passed away, he actually said to me, oh, Jess, I'm praying for you to get a job. And I think God told me that, um, that he doesn't want you to be a paramedic because of the things you might see. And at first I was really taken back, like, oh, okay. Um, even if, you know, I don't know if God said that, but um, even if he didn't, I think it's, it was a good reminder to think, like, God knows why I don't have a job or why, mm. um, why I am where I am, and he has an awesome plan. And okay. so, yeah, it's just been a good journey so far. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, thank you so much. I think it's wonderful, especially to hear when, um, when we're going through it, tough times, whatever they may be, whether they may be looking for jobs or searches, that's the attitude that God can give us. There's always something beautiful. I am purposed here. I ha- have a plan for you, God says. That's right. And I, the other thing that you mentioned is camp. And I think camps are wonderful. What a great opportunity. And we've got camp coming up, guys to share this communal love of God. It's where people actually do make a commitment. You know, it's one of those opportunities that we're all together. We're all praising our God and it stands out. So I'd love us all to be at camp, absolutely. Sorry, so can I ask you to come up and share your testimony, please? Thank you. because I think we passed the morning time. Yeah, it's good, yeah. Those who are sitting here and don't know me, I am Zorica. So when um, Nathan approached me and asked me to share my testimony with you, I was thinking, wow, where shall I start? It's not easy to stand in front of people and talk about your sinful mm. life. But listening to other testimonies of many other people, I was always amazed with their stories, but not 
just because of their stories. I was even more amazed about God, who is so creative, and no one story is the same. Every person went through a different experience coming to God. So this is my story now. I grew up in a Christian family, but as it was, wasn't customary those days, uh, children would be not taken to the church. So sometimes I walked in, I got bored easily, then I was listening to sing, it was always nice. People would come from surrounding villages and giving me lollies, what was a big thing those days, and I was happy. But even then, being a little child, I um, sensed that deep peace what was around those people, and it stayed with me. Uh, for the rest of my life. And, um, well, look, I can't recall the time or the age of my life when I would say I didn't believe God. Mm. Yes, I always did. Because as I told you, I grew up in a Christian family, but, uh, you know, sometimes I would remember God, but this thought would go and fade away so easily. And what's happened one day, we were in marriage, boy and I, he wanted to check um, on our car, and we went to a nearby village where the mechanic lived, and he parked in front of his house, and he walked in, but I stayed in the car. And guess what? One of our churches was just across the road. There was a similar day, like today, it was a very nice, calm, sunny day, beautiful, and the gate was open, and I saw a lushy green grass, and one of the sisters, probably she was late, she was rushing to come to the church, and I felt something there, you know? I felt something gentle, I can't say maybe it was a calling or I don't know, I didn't experience something extraordinary, but it was something in me like pulling me gently towards we know who. It was the Lord calling me. And after that, nothing happened for a while. Nothing happened, but you know, at one stage of my life, when I came to a realization that my life is sinful and I need help, mm. this is like you are drowning in a murky water and you don't know how to come to the surface. Again, I didn't say long prayers. I just said to God, look God, I can't do it my own. So, I need your help. I, I'm desperate for your help. Sorry, I told Nathan I might cry. <laughs> oh, still didn't bring so, what's happened then? I still didn't experience God hand, holding my hand and pulling me through this period of my life. But, I experienced him 
like someone very powerful walking in front of you and removing every obstacle, every ob obstacle which would, thank you Nathan, which would prevent you to come to him. As I told you, I still didn't feel his hand holding my hand. Yes, and then, yes, I gave up and I admitted my sinfulness and started working with love in the Lord. Since then, it's not that he is just walking in front of me. This time I feel that his spirit is deep within me. And now, even when the life brings um, big challenges, now I strongly feel his hand holding mine. So I don't know what the future holds. The Christian life is not always a smooth ride. But if anybody is sitting here who doesn't know the Lord yet or didn't make peace with him, I would encourage you to do so because Lord is worthy and all the praise be to him. God bless you. God bless you. No one story is the same. God works in many different ways. So thank you to both sisters for sharing their story. There is, though, a key to this process uh, that Paul talks about in Ephesians, if we went back to Ephesians 1. And I'd like to read it for you. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed. You heard, you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. We talked about the seal of the Holy Spirit um, last time, so I won't continue there. I do want to continue onto those two words though. Verse 4 says, what? But God. Let's just focus on two words for a moment. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead to sin. We had no chance. There's nothing we can do to become alive. There's nothing anybody else could do. We were in, I think Zoritza called it, a, was it mud or a mire or something? You were stuck. You couldn't, what is murky water, thank you. Murky water. You know, these descriptions come to our mind when we're suffering in this sin, when we can't move anymore, when we're struggling, when we just try on our own works or our own merits to gain this salvation and we can't do it. But God. Two words that we can just simply read over. We were dead. 
but God. Now the story begins alive. That's the good news. That's our news. If we can move forward, Dylan, I want to finish off with you know, my favourite word. If we stop right there, actually. It was verse 8 that actually woke me up in my own Christian life. And I was at a camp. I was at Eastern Camp, which is ACC. Um, and it was quite a strict camp. But it was, I, was, I was spending time with God, and I didn't really know it, washing my clothes because I didn't have a beautiful wife that does that all the time for me now. But I had to wash my own clothes. And so I'm in this laundry mat, not really knowing how these things work, reading the Bible, waiting for my clothes to be clean. And I came across Ephesians 2, the whole chapter. And it was Jesus going, Nath, I love you. I love you right now, no matter what. And when I got to verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. This letter that Paul writes is an explanation on Christian belief and then Christian behaviour. In chapters 1 to 3, if I can find those, Paul talks about God's relationship with us, our relationship in God. From 4 to 6, halfway through his letter, he changes that from our relationship to others. In chapters 1 to 3, he talks about how we are saved, by whom we are saved, by the gospel. This is in the crux of chapters 1 to 3. This is chapter 2, talking about grace. In chapters 4 to 6, when we get to that eventually, we're going to see what we're saved for. Chapters 1 to 3, we are saved with grace. Chapters 4 to 6, why are we saved? That's what Paul points out. In chapters 1 to 3, he talks about our rescue, our redemption. In 4 to 6, he talks about our response. Because we're saved, what does that mean for us? How do we live our life? Christian belief, Christian behaviour. It's a great great little letter. In chapters 1 to 3, it talks about our purpose and our plan. In 4 to 6, it talks about our walk with God and our spiritual fight. You see, sometimes as a Christian, we can choose either one or the other. Sometimes we choose, I'm saved by grace and that's enough. I can't do anything about it. On the other hand, on 4 to 6, sometimes we choose as a Christian, I need to be saved because of my works. I need to be doing good. Now both are distorted if we only look at one half. We need both of those halves together. And more importantly, in that order. We're saved by grace to do the good works. I've shared this many times, but it's my life-changing story to me. We're saved by grace to do good works. 
And when we read out Ephesians chapter 2, I didn't actually put this in there. We continued from, even when you were dead through our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus, it actually makes sense without this phrase, by grace you have been saved. How interesting. I love it. Paul kept writing, but almost when he stopped here, even when you were dead through our trespasses, made alive through Christ, he stops and makes a purposeful note to say, by grace you have been saved. And then continues, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Grace, one, saves us. It's saving from dead to life. Chapter 2 is all about this. I want to point on two more things that grace does in my life through this scripture. Let's have a look at the next one. I don't have time to go into the why I put Arnold Schwarzenegger there. Um, but it's a picture of road rage. I'll share it really quickly, hopefully. It was just this week that I was cut off hugely by someone in a car. And inside of me, I felt like this. <laughs> And I tried to keep it all together. And we bring up, I've heard in sermons, we bring up our own rage as a topic. And I think we do because, well, being in a car, it's, it's self-centered already. No one actually gets into a car and goes, I want to drive so everybody can get to their destination. No. You get in a car to get to your destination. It's already self-centered. So we have a goal and we want to complete it. How we complete it is a whole new way. I was cut off. By someone in a car, and on palm reflection, it was truly her fault. Now, when she got in front of me in the end, um, by her means that we nearly had an accident, um, although, you know, thank God that I have good brakes on my car and it's all fine, gorgeous. I haven't shared this with you, I'm sorry. And so, but we're safe because I've just, doesn't matter. It's okay. So, when she's in front of me, I didn't pull out a weapon of mass destruction, I just beat my horn. To let her know, hey, that wasn't right. That was quite selfish. You were being so selfish in your driving. Uh, upon beeping my horn, she let me know by what something is called the bird. Okay? In her rear mirror. And so I felt, not terrible, but I, I, that's when I become to felt like this. So this is when I felt like this. The story is like this, though. When we are selfish, when we think we're entitled... We may behave like this. But there is that verse, this is not your own doing. You see, as a Christian, we can look at the world and go, I'm saved and you're not yet. It means God loves me, but you've got to wake up. I know freedom, but you don't know it yet. And we can get these thoughts of selfishness. This verse reminds us that grace keeps us humble. This not of your own doing. Not of your own doing. Not of my doing. Jessica's or it's not of their doing. It was God. It was all God. And some people might look at us as Christians and go, you seem so entitled, you're getting to heaven and I'm not. It feels so arrogant, doesn't it? But it's not an arrogance. When we bring it back to the glory of God. If it's by works, it can become arrogant. If we're praising God for his grace, 
It's glorifying God. We're also being assured of that seal of salvation that was promised in the Holy Spirit. Before we start with communion, I just want to finish off one more thing that adds to that. And if it's not on there, that's okay. But grace in part is imparting to others. When we understand that God has done it all, thanks. I like this picture. I saw it on the YouTube clip and I thought, how cute. The, the, the kid's face is so concerned for his little buddy. And I thought, how gorgeous. When we realise that it's grace that saves us, the first step, chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians, then we can behave in a certain way. And when it's all God, then we get to go, hey, I know a good, good love story for this world. I know a great love story for you. And I want to share this with you. We impart grace to others. We share God's stuff that he's done in our life to others. That's it. That's what Paul talks about. Christian belief and behaviour. Throughout the year, I'd love to get into chapters 4 to 6 and to have a look at what does it actually look like. Um, but for now, we want to stop there. And we want to remember to impart grace to others. If we can go back, what's the next slide there? And the next slide. And the next slide. I didn't have time to go through everything. Let's stop here again. And maybe, Dylan, you want to call the sermon this, Ephesians 2, but God. But God. We're dead to our sins. But God. What a great way to come into communion. And upon reflection of that, but God. And as we stand there with bread and wine, the symbols of Christ's body and blood, we remember, but God. Because we couldn't. But God could. Everybody take a deep breath. One big deep breath. Let's hear it. Good. And out again. I'm going to ask brother, our brother David to come up before we share communion. I have asked um, my brother David to share what communion actually means to him.